All right, welcome back to His Simple Truths podcast. This is podcast number five, and its title is Weapons of Light. And my name is Greg Mullins, and I'm here with Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. And we are so excited to be able to present this podcast today. In layman's terms, we're jacked. <laughs> Spirit is so strong right now before we've even started talking. I wish I wish everybody could be here and experience what we're feeling right now. Yeah, um, so before we get into this podcast, I want to kind of review where we've been with the other podcasts. So the first podcast, Who Are You? Really learning about and helping ourselves remember who we are and um, where we came from. And podcast two is our purpose, why we're on the planet, what we're doing here. Yeah, I'm really getting that down and understanding who we are. And then podcast three, we went into the opposition, you know, what we're facing here. Um, talked about how to, to handle the the opposing forces that are against us. And number four was look to God and live, where we really talked about how to get ourselves right with God again, to really get ourselves in a place to qualify for God's power to flow into us. Which brings us to this podcast, which is what is God's power and how do I use it, right? So I want to start out with a quote, and this is from President Nelson. In fact, I'm pretty sure every quote we're going to share today comes from the prophet. That's a good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> if you have not listened to President Nelson's um, conference talks over the last five years, at least 10 times each, you should probably go back and listen to him again. There are some things that he's teaching in those, and we're not going to get deep into those into this podcast, but the next podcast, we're really going to start to pull back the layers. But anyway, that was a tangent. Here's the first quote I want to use to introduce this podcast. So our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. Oh, there is so, there is so much more that your Father in Heaven wants you to know. As Elder Neil Maxwell taught, to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it is clear that the Father and the Son are giving away the secrets of the universe. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son to help us, and his Son, Jesus Christ, gave his life for us, all so that we could have access to godly power. Power sufficient to deal with the burdens, obstacles, and temptations of our day. Um, you, we, we read the scriptures right and we hear about all these miracles that happen in the scriptures and there are even some churches on the planet that say well those those days are done the days of miracles have ceased I'll just point out that there's a lot of people in our own faith who kind of feel like that's the case right like we're just supposed to endure to the end just sit over here with the light and knowledge we've been given and endure to the end well, I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that is false, completely false. The simple truth of today's podcast is God wants us to receive his light and power and stand up and go use it. Grace for grace, like we talked about in the last podcast. So I want to start out today um, 
most of you know that the church just put out a new history book called The Saints, and I've been listening to that. If you go to the Tools app, they actually narrate it as a book, and it's awesome. I listen to it when I'm driving to and from work. Um, and in that, there's a part in there where Joseph Smith talks about the very first miracle of the of the new dispensation, the first miracle done by the power of the priesthood. Okay, so the first weapon that we're going to talk about is priesthood power. And that first miracle was um, one of the night boys, I'm pretty sure it was Newell, went out, um, went out into the forest to pray to know if the Book of Mormon was true. He was trying to get an answer to that. And while he was out in the forest, he said he was seized upon by a, a dark force. And so he went back home. He wasn't feeling good. Pretty soon he was um, convulsing, um, flopping around on the floor, and he, he cried out. He said, go get the prophet, go get the prophet. And Joseph comes in and sees what's going on and discerns immediately that there's an evil spirit that's taken over Newell. And um, he even mentions that he wasn't quite sure what to do, you know, but the spirit told him to cast this spirit out of him. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, he commanded that spirit to depart. And that was the first miracle of this dispensation. Interestingly enough, <coughs> um, Jesus Christ said in uh, Mark 16 and 17 and in a couple of other places, and I'm just going to paraphrase. Uh, you can go look up the scriptures, but he basically said that it would be the first evidence of those who come in his name that they cast out devils and unclean spirits. And yet we don't think that there's anything else that we need to understand in order to make it to salvation. Yeah, I mean, that it's amazing to me how clearly the doctrine has been taught through the dispensations until just recently when all of a sudden it's taboo to talk about a devil or unclean spirit or you're some kind of crazy fringer if you're talking about that kind of stuff. Right, and that's not that the brethren feel that way. That's the culture of the church again. That's the... That's traditions. the people and the traditions, right? That's not if you if you listen to the talks of the brethren, they they talk about these things. Um, and it wasn't long ago that that Elder Holland called out this called out the adversary in general conference and said he's a miserable man bound by eternal limitations, and he wants you to be miserable too. Well, don't fall for that. Like that's an apostle calling out the adversary. So they get it. Uh, we're just not we're choking on the milk in a lot of ways and this is we're getting into the meat here this is where the rubber meets the road awesome okay so for me my first experience with real priesthood power happened out on my mission um i was going to talk to you a little bit about before my mission but i'm feeling like i should just move on to so i was just going to share this experience with you um, so out in the mission field, I was uh, about four months into my mission, and uh, I served in the Micronesian Islands out in the South Pacific, and when the tide would go out, everybody on the island goes out and they collect things from low tide. You know, they get their fish out of the holes that where they get stuck, and it was P-Day, and we were out with a couple of the members out there messing around in the little holes pulling cool stuff out of it like it was a really cool experience for a utah boy that had never gone anywhere further than 
California once <laughs> to be out there and just experience that. And um, one of the members that was out there with us, his brother came to the beach and I could see him up on the beach pacing backwards and forwards. I thought that was kind of weird. And then pretty soon he came out to us um, where we were out on the reef and uh, he said, he asked me, he said, Elder Mullins, can you give me a blessing? And I was like, yeah, I'll give you a blessing, no problem. Come back to our house tonight at 6 o'clock when P-Day's over. <laughs> right? And I was like... I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy on the Lord's errand not being on the Lord's errand. Oh, man. And I, you know, I watched him walk back to the beach, and he's pacing back and forth again. And he even came back out and confirmed the time. He's like, so 6 o'clock at your house, right? I was like, yep, we'll be there. And he walks back, and he's pacing up and down the beach again. And then the, finally the spirit's like, uh, hello, Elder Mullins, you are here to serve my people, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, just totally chastised. Literally, stop fishing. <laughs> stop fishing and get to work. So I finally, I was like, okay, we got to go do this right now. So I walked up onto the beach, and I said, hey, we're going to go back to our place now. Let me get changed. Come over in about 30 minutes. And uh, he came right over and sat on the, st the front step and waited. <laughs> and uh, we brought him in the house and put him on a chair. And, and I didn't even know what he wanted a blessing for. And just to kind of give you a reference, I had never, I'm pretty sure this is the first blessing I had ever given. Um, I can't remember one before. There might have been one, but... Um, so I, I sit him down and I'm in my mind, I'm like, Lord, I have no idea what to say. Like, I just don't know what to say. And, and he's, and I just felt like to move forward. So I put my hands on his head, took that step into the darkness, you know, and just started to offer a blessing. And, um, as soon as I started, the spirit said he is possessed by an, a devil and it needs to be cast out. Like I heard those words in my mind. And I came from the tradition of the church where you don't talk about devils and unclean spirits, right? No one ever told me about casting out it's, devils. It's like a Harry Potterism, right? Like, uh, Voldemort, we don't talk about that guy because he, if we do, he'll bring him and give him more power. <laughs> Wrong. And I remember just standing there like dumbfounded, like how I don't even know how to do that. And the spirit said, cast him out in the name of Christ. And so I, I said, the brother's name in the name of Jesus Christ I command the devil to come out of you and I felt power raw white light pure energy come into the crown of my head fill my whole body and then come out of my arms into his head and I felt his body start shaking and I felt that spirit resist it didn't want to leave and I was like I'd never felt this before, but I like felt like I pushed more of the light into him and felt that spirit rip away from him. And, and then he just went limp. And the, the light filled the whole room as that, that unclean spirit, that devil, left our home, our little hut. And uh, I don't even remember how I closed the blessing after that but I remember we were all just standing there my companion was pretty new to the mission and he's looking at me like what just happened <laughs> and then this brother stood up and I gave him a hug you know and we all just rejoiced in that spirit that was in the room 
and that was my first experience with the priesthood just like Joseph was I thought that was interesting and when I connected those two pieces together and the priesthood power is real like it's power it's real power I remember as a kid playing yes I played Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> which back then was like the total taboo thing right and now every video game has a wizard and all the Harry Potters and everything and all of this false power that we see throughout the world when waiting for us is real power from our Heavenly Father that he wants us to use and since then I've learned so much but that was my introduction to to what real power was and one other experience I wanted to share with you on this respect was um, a more recent one Sometimes we hear the stories, oh, well, that was his mission, right? He had, everybody has these cool experiences on their mission. This one happened just a couple of years ago. I was working as an ordinance worker in the temple. And uh, I was driving home, and I had just gotten into our subdivision, and the spirit said, Gavin's in trouble, my oldest son. And I was like, what do you mean he's in trouble in my mind? And so I shot him a text message really quick. I'm like, dude, where are you? Are you okay? And I sent that right as I pulled into the driveway. And he sends back a text and says, no, dad, help. And I was like, like, what the heck's going on? You know, your senses go to level 10. And I, I go running into his bedroom. And uh, he's laying on his bed. And as soon, because I just come from the temple where I felt the spirit so strong, and when I went into his bedroom, I could feel the darkness in that room, like I felt the dark entities in his room. And immediately, I raised my arm to the square and commanded in the name of Christ that those spirits leave his room. And um, I was staring at him as I said the words, and I watched him like he was pinned to his bed almost and I watched him be able to sit up and I felt the darkness disperse from that room and just be gone and uh, I looked at him like are you okay he's like I'm okay now and I knelt down with him and we prayed for guardian angels to come and protect him in his room and we talked about some of the things that he was going through and um, I left totally at peace that he would be fine and uh, the next morning he said dad after you left I saw a light outside my window it only stayed for a minute but I saw a light and it as the light came into my room I saw the shadows of men in armor with swords watching over me Those guardian angels stood at his bedside and protected him. The power is real, brothers and sisters. And God is waiting for us to qualify for it, to ask for it, to step up and take it. All right, I'm going to throw it to you, Tyson. <laughs> <coughs> Dude, I don't know if I can uh, if I can talk. 
you know, I actually had intended on getting a hold of my grandma and grandpa to ask him if I could share this, but I, I'm sure they'll be okay with it. The legacy of blessings in my family and in my life are great, um, but uh, one of the ones that just sticks with me is that um, I had an aunt who, um, through an accident, was um, was killed, and um, she was, they were at home, and my grandmother called my grandpa at work, and he raced home from Salt Lake City about 30 minutes away or so, and uh, he got home as the paramedics were loading her lifeless body um, up to take her to the hospital, and they'd been trying to resuscitate her, and <coughs> in that moment, my grandfather used his priesthood and commanded her to live and um, she began to breathe again and subsequently they ended up at the hospital and as they got to the hospital after the ambulance and um, the doctor sat them down and he, he told my grandparents that uh, that she was going to be brain dead um, that she had been dead for too long and um, and that she would be brain dead for the rest of her life and my grandfather, um, I, I wasn't there, but I imagine that he, he hung his head and then through the same priesthood power that restored her physical life, at least breathing and, um, and the heartbeat back into her body, he went in with that same priesthood and released her to go back to her Heavenly Father and she passed away. And I think about the humility that you have and the meekness you have to have to operate in the priesthood to, to begin with to command somebody to live who is dead but then to accept the will of the father and and release that loved one back I can't even imagine I mean Greg came over yesterday my little girl has chicken pox and just the tender feelings that I have for her I can't even imagine putting that on the altar and giving her life back to the Lord. So these blessings are real. This isn't stuff that we <laughs> conjure up or make up. This is real life. Okay, so the next weapon of light that I want to talk about is ministering angels. Um, this is something that Elder Holland's been talking a lot about. And recently, Elder Nelson is now talking about both sides of the veil. And uh, so I have a couple experiences I want to share with you. The first one, this was right after I got back from my mission. And I had just gotten engaged to my wife. And uh, um one of her sisters was struggling in life and uh, she was living at that time at home with her mother and I was over at the house with my wife and we had watched her trying to make progress in um, turning her life back over to the Lord and uh, we caught her a couple times watching a conference up in her room. Busted. Yeah, uh, we were watching and um, 
one of one of the days that I was over there, my wife came to me and she said um, that this sister wanted a blessing. And uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't really in the spirit that day. I wasn't ready to give a blessing. And I remember thinking, what am how am I what am I supposed to bless her with? Right? She hasn't been going to church. She. Like I don't, I don't even know what to say. Another one of these experiences, right? So I said, well, I need a few minutes to gather my thoughts, and I left the house and I started walking around the block, and I started asking the Lord fervently to first of all help me have the spirit, and second of all, I was like, I have no idea what to say to her. She's your daughter. She's asked for a blessing use me as a mouthpiece because I don't even know what to say and I was like do I need to do I need to get another brother here to help me and I felt in my mind that there would be help there and I didn't know what that meant at the time and so I went back and it was myself um, her sister and her sister's daughter that were in the room her daughter was only about three years old. And I started to give offer the blessing, and immediately the Spirit took over and was telling her things that I didn't know about, speaking directly to her soul. And I felt the presence of somebody else in the room with me, giving the blessing besides the sisters that were in the room. And... Uh, um, the blessing finished and we were all in tears the spirit was just really strong and and I looked down at her little daughter and she said where did they go and we were like where did who go and she's like they came down and put their hands on mommy's head where'd they go wow and uh, both Cody and I Allison was the, her his, her sister was trying to gather herself, you know, and Cody and I both look at each other and we're like, did she really just say that? <laughs> like, um, you know, and we, we kind of left the situation and, and Cody talked to her after and we we're asking her about what she'd seen and she'd seen these ministering angels enter the room and help me with that blessing. They were the ones giving the blessing, not me. And that was my first experience with ministering angels to know that we could literally call upon angels from the other side of the veil. And since that time, I have now come to understand that those were family members that had come to help me give that blessing, her family members, her descendants, her, not her descendants, but her... Uh, her ancestors. Yeah, I guess ancestors yeah. is the best way to put it. And since that time, I have called on those ministering angels every time I've given a blessing and felt their presence in the room as those blessings are given. They are there to buoy us up and help us. And, you know, we hear stories all the time about the pioneers on pushing their hand carts and all of a sudden the burden's lifted and something else is pushing those, those carts. Well, I had pioneer family that were out on those planes and I like to think I was one of the pushers <laughs> that was there helping them. Um, my wife um, 
Mary Goble Pay was one of the famous pioneers that was part of the Martin Handcart Company. She was out there in that. And I like to think that my wife was there helping her push. And maybe that was her that came to help, you know, a family member in her time of need. I believe that those ministering angels are around us every single day. And we have to understand that they have to stand off at a distance and let us have our agency. They can't participate until we invite them to participate. And we can, and that invitation can come in the form of the faith of a sister or an actual priesthood pronunciation by a brother. But they are there waiting to help us. We just have to be willing to reach out to them. Absolutely. <coughs> Brings to mind, I was, was probably about five or six months ago, I was driving home. My entire family was late at night. We were driving home from my parents' house and uh, everybody was asleep in the car. And I, <coughs> this is at a time when I was sort of crossing a new threshold, but really just battling, you know, with the adversary. And uh, I was kind of encumbered with dark thoughts and um, the adversary was hammering me with, you're not going to be good enough. You're never going to, you know, you're never going to overcome these challenges you've been given. And it was a dark place. And I was driving and I was also battling with staying awake. Um, like I was really sleepy and uh, I didn't know what else to do. And so I just started praying and I said, Heavenly Father, please send thine angels to me. And as I finished those words, I felt hands on my head while I was driving down the road. So apparently angels can fly really fast. But, um, And I was given a blessing in that moment. And light and peace came back. And I had the strength that I needed to continue to do battle with the adversary um, by engaging more and more in light and letting light beget light in my life. I think it's important probably to insert right here that by us sharing these experiences with you, it's not to be like, hey, look at what we got. Like we got these, these amazing experiences, right? Um, we're sharing these experiences with you, knowing that these podcasts are going to the people who need to hear these experiences. We want you. So in between these experiences we've had in the previous podcast, we've told you what we've been through, <laughs> you know, and it's not like we're these great people that get these amazing experiences because of our greatness. Like these experiences, I believe, were given to us for this very purpose so that we could share them and help to build each other up and help each other to remember that that this is all true, that it's that it's real, but to support each other. Um, I want to share this experience that I just had this last week talking about supporting each other. Um, so Tyson and I are in the young, young men's presidency in our ward, and... I was I was at the temple and I had just gotten out of the temple and one of the young men from the ward sent me a text and he said brother Mullins I don't know what this is about 
but I have a really bad feeling that the football team's in danger tonight. It was the it was game night, so they were having a game that night. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So I immediately check in with the Lord, and I said, Lord, are these boys... So you have to understand that we most of our young men's program is at that game. Whether they're on the football team or in the band, they're at the game. And so my prayer immediately was, Lord, are, are our boys in trouble? And I was overwhelmed by the Spirit and moved to tears that, yes, they were in danger. And uh, it just washed over me, and I, I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> Dope. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I text back this young man. I'm like, hey, what time's the game? He tells me it's at 7 o'clock, and... I'm like, where is it? Is it home? He's like, yeah, it's at home. And this whole, I'm like trying to process, like, what the heck am I supposed to do now? How do I, do I call the police and be like, hey, this guy from my ward, the spirit just told him that the football team's in danger. Like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with this? And then immediately the spirit's like, you know what to do. And I was like, all right, Lord. And I called upon, and then by the power of the priesthood in the name of Jesus Christ, I called upon a legion, a battalion of angels to be dispatched to surround those boys and protect them. Oh, and immediately I felt that happen, that dispatch happen. And I let the young man know. And he's like, I felt them. And then I'm driving home and I'm like, okay, now what do I do? And I was like, should I be there at the game? Like, what am I, what should I do? And and I get home and I told my wife about it and we had three of our own boys going to the game. And she's like, well, I don't want my boys going to the game. We got to keep them home. I was like, so here another boy <laughs> reaches out. Do we pull our own boys back and just let what happens happen to the game? I was like, I got to go to the game. I don't know wh why, but I'm going. So I I go to the game and I'm sitting in the stadium and I'm like watching everybody, right? I'm like expecting this guy to pull out a gun and start shooting people or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the stand and I finally went to prayer and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I don't know what I can do, but I'm here. Will you protect these people? And I'm looking at this stadium full of people. And all of a sudden I feel this that same power that I felt in that priesthood blessing, that first priesthood blessing, power coming into the crown of my head and filling my body, and then uh, it radiated out from me. And I could feel like this bubble of power of protecting the whole group. And I just sat there in the stands. I, I even texted my wife. I'm like, this is what's going on. This is kind of weird. <laughs> like, she's like, I'm like, your crazy husband sitting here with a... Harry Potter shield of power <laughs> surrounding these people. But I literally felt that protection upon the group. And later that night, just a few minutes after the game ended, I get a text from this young man. He said, he said, we were all safe tonight because of you. And I texted him back. I'm like, it, it wasn't me. I was just doing what I was told. And he's, I said, I sat, I told him I sat in the stand and felt this power. He's like, I felt it too. I was safe. Thank you. And, uh, that was a weapon of light 
that I didn't know existed, right? This power to protect a group of people. Well, on the flip side of this, the Lord was really trying to drive this <coughs> principle home to me. So the next day we're, we're at an activity and uh, some things happened that chased the spirit away. And um, it was with a group of people that I love and care about. And it frustrated me that this had happened and that the spirit had been chased from the group and it really agitated me. Which is weird because I've been in a place recently where nothing really bothers me. But I was like bugged about this. It kept like popping back up. I'd be like, here, Lord, I'm putting this on the altar. And then an hour later, it's like hitting me again. I'm like, why is this back? <laughs> like, here, Lord, take this. And all the way through the next day, it was still kind of kicking back. And then I was sitting with Tyson last night and we started talking. I was sharing him these sharing these experiences with him. And in that moment, the Spirit taught me, I taught you a weapon of light and how to use it, but you didn't use it the very next day. Like that same power could have been used in that experience to expel whatever it was that was attacking the people at that, that moment. And I don't know what the, what it was, what the danger was at the football game, and we'll probably never know. But... I know that the Lord's Spirit, the, that God's power protected us all from whatever it was and has the power to protect us all at all times if we're standing in a mindset ready to do battle. See, I was prepared to do battle at the football game. The next day, I was in a safe environment and was not prepared to do battle, but Satan was still fighting. And I think that's a principle that we need to recognize that the battle never ends for him. He's always after us. And we always have to be ready to defend ourselves and defend others. And not just defend, but go on the offensive. Absolutely. I think as you're talking, I'm, I'm reminded of a story that is one of my favorites. It's actually from um, Elder Gene R. Cook of the 70. Um, he talked about how he came back from his mission. And one of these other weapons of light is the weapon of knowledge and the word of God. And <clears throat> he talked about how he came back from his mission and he was he felt like he was a pretty good speaker. And so he actually ended up on a speaking circuit sort of within his stake and a neighboring stake where he was going around and speaking to people after his mission and talking about his mission. And he says in his account of it that he had become puffed up and prideful. Um, and um, he was speaking um, at a ward, and um, he finished his talk, and lots of people, they said the saints are great, right? They come up and congratulate you. Thanks for your talk or whatever. And he says, if I, anybody was ever puffed up full air, it was me. And then this brother came up to him, and he said, Brother Cook, this brother just walks up to him, older gentleman. He says, why is it that you don't believe in speaking by the Spirit? And Brother Cook said, if somebody was filled up with air, it sure came out. Just, right? And he's like, well, I think I do. I mean, I went on a mission. And this brother just really curtly, but with the spirit, said, you don't know anything about it. He said, open up your scriptures to DNC 8485 for a minute. So Brother Cook opens up his scriptures. Elder Cook opens up his scriptures to DNC 8485. And 
And that scripture says, Neither take ye thought beforehand what ye shall speak, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of life, and it shall be given you in the very moment that portion which should be meted unto every man. And Brother Cook looked at this brother and just kind of dumbfoundedly. And this brother says, You know what? He says, Let me guess. When you stand up to speak, you got a note card in your pocket, you got a joke on there, you got some scriptures written down, and you have everything planned out so carefully that if the Lord had wanted to say something to the people through you, he couldn't have. And then this brother just turned on his heels and said, well, I thought you'd want to know, and walks off. Brother Cook found out later that this gentleman was, was the, the patriarch of that stake. But Brother Cook said he just it rocked him. He's mad at this brother, you know. What is he talking about? He doesn't probably know anything anyway, you know, and just kind of battling against it. He gets a phone call in the middle of the week. It's his bishop, like on a Wednesday. His bishop says, Brother Cook, the principal speaker is taken ill for Sunday. You're the guy. And he said, I tried to explain to him. I just spoke like four weeks ago when I came home from my mission or however long it had been. And he's like, nope, you're the speaker. Click. So Brother Cook sat and he wrestled with that from that Elder Cook did from the time that he got that phone call until Saturday night. And he thought, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I, what am I like? Just stand up there with nothing and start speaking. And he just wrestled with that. And he says, ah, he went to the point. He said, I, I, I thought about writing a talk down and having it in my pocket in case nothing came. And he says, in that moment, I finally humbled myself, and the Spirit said to me, Gene, do you believe those passages or not? And he said, I had to answer. I did. And then the feeling he said he got was, do it. And so he stood up in that sacrament meeting the next day. And he said, he, he said, I feel like I just stumbled around for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, the spirit took over. And I didn't even remember. He says, I don't even remember to this day what I said. But the feeling was different. And as I came down off the stand, it wasn't the normal high fivers that came by to say, good job, high five. People came up to him. And one sister said, Brother Cook. I've had a question in my mind that I haven't had an answer to for over 40 years. And today, while you were speaking, the Lord gave me the answer. And another brother came up to him and said, Brother Cook, I've had some things in my life that were very wrong that I did very long ago that I've never taken to the bishop. And today I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to go, and I'm going to go. And so the power of the word spoken with the spirit is that way and i've had those experiences in teaching and greg's had them where we've been nothing more than a, a vessel that the lord was able to get clean enough through his marvelous atonement to be able to use and deliver messages to people and it is a powerful experience to take knowledge and the word to somebody and have it penetrate their soul and that's what we hope you're getting out of this so to me the greatest weapon of light that the father has and I got to back up so today I was at home and I was getting filled with light again and I was standing at the island in my kitchen and just being grateful and thinking about weapons of light and I heard the voice of the Lord in my mind say you are my greatest weapon of light and brothers and sisters I testify that that's true of every one of us if we choose for it to be we choose to be weapons of light for the Lord we are as elder as 
uh, Joseph Smith said, he had a desire to be the sharpest arrow in the quiver of the Almighty. And he was, outside of the Savior, Joseph Smith was, but we all have that opportunity to be an arrow in the quiver of the Almighty. And I hope that we'll take that seriously. There are, <clears throat> there are so many parts and pieces to this. We have a whole list here of the different weapons of light. Yeah, and I can't believe how much time we've already gone through, but I just want to hit on a couple that I think are super important, and then we're going to talk about how do we qualify for these yeah, blessings. So the one that I really want to hit on is the temple blessings. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a temple worker now for a while, and as a temple worker, you have to memorize the ordinances, right, because you're the one presenting them and it just kind of takes things to a whole new level when you memorize them and really start to ponder upon these things but I would challenge each of you to go back and do some initiatories and listen to the blessings of the washing and anointings what you're being blessed with and then the final blessing of protection that you receive in that initiatory those blessings are astounding when you really sit and ponder what the Lord is blessing you with in the temple. Yeah. And we get to go back time and time again and, and hear those. And then once you really take to heart those, we're going to talk about in the next two podcasts, the layers of the endowment and blessings like calling an election and second comforter and those blessings that we we hear faintly about but now the prophet is shouting from the rooftops for us to receive those blessings and then the culminating blessing of the the ceiling holy moly listen to the words of the ceiling and what you're being blessed with those blessings are for now for this life the saints of the early church gave up everything to build temples to receive their endowment of power and the church really didn't start growing until that endowment happened. And then those missionaries started to go out with power and with authority. And the whole gathering really kicked off at that point. So I challenge you to, to go to the temple and really seek to understand what it is the Lord is giving you now on this life, in this life, not what you get in the next life, which a lot of people who go to the temple feel like those blessings are all talking about the next life. I promise you that every single blessing in that temple is meant for this life. To get you ready, to have you prepared and ready to step into whatever the next, the next kingdom is or the next direction that you're supposed to be going. I, heard, I hope that you guys heard what Greg just said. Um, Man, like I, I remember getting to the temple, right, and finally getting my endowments after years of inactivity and, you know, I've been ordained to the Melchizedek priesthood, right? And then you come out of that and you're like, okay, sweet. I finally made it. Now what? <laughs> right? And we don't, the culture of the church, at least in my experience, hasn't been to seek the mysteries, right? To talk about calling an election, um, to talk about what's next right it's just endure to the end which to put in a military context sounds like embrace the suck right like well you got all the things you need to be successful so now you just embrace the suck for the next 50 years right and then you die no absolutely not 
Like there is so much more to this gospel for us to learn. And Greg and I have been on like a, <clears throat> it's been a runaway train lately, just like download after download of mysteries and information and strength and light and opportunities to serve. That's probably the key one right there is just ministering to other people and trying trying out <clears throat> our fledgling wings of discipleship, right? And falling on our face at times, you know, like Greg just talked about and then getting back up and looking at the Lord and it's almost become comical because we're just like, that was really dumb. Why did I do that? Right. And then we're just like, okay, Lord, I'm trying again. And he's like, good. And then we, you know, jump off our little ledge and flap for a few seconds. We're like, I'm doing it. And then we he hit the ground again. Right. And we get back up and he's like, good job. That was a little farther. Do it again. You know, and, and I think that that's what's key. We get, you know, stop. The gospel is exciting. Like, we got to be excited about it. I, when we said we're jacked at the beginning of this, and then we kind of went into some, you know, some heavier things of the gospel, like, we are stoked. Like, every day I wake up and I'm like, yes, Lord, like, I get to live the gospel again today. I've never had that feeling in my life. Almost 40 years. This Wednesday will be 40 years of my life. I've never been this excited about anything as genuinely excited as I am about my future and my development as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I, I think it's important to understand that that excitement that, that we're experiencing and a lot of uh, people around us are experiencing is because of one simple truth, and that's willingness to believe what the prophet's saying. I love this quote from President Nelson. He says, <clears throat> I fear that too many of our brothers and sisters do not grasp the privileges that could be theirs. And then from another talk, he said, I urgently urgently plead with each one of us to live up to our privileges. In a coming day, only those men who have taken their priesthood seriously by diligently seeking to be taught by the Lord himself will be able to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. When I heard that the first time, I was like, like the spirit just ripped through me. I was like, that is so awesome. And then a few days later, I was reading it again, and I was like, man, what an awesome man. He's saying these cool things. And the spirit was like, do you believe it? And I was like, I, I had to check in. You know, all these things that he's telling us, I'm checking in. I'm like, do I really believe that? Like, what are my privileges? Like, where am I going? Like, what's available? What are these mysteries he's talking about? He's like, go seek the mysteries. And then he says, go to the Lord and be taught by him himself. And I was like. Oh, he can't really mean that, Greg. <laughs> Come on. You're like, really? I was, I, I was like, how do you get taught by the Lord himself? Like, I would love to have the Savior come like he did to Joseph and talk to me and teach me. Is that what the prophet's saying or is he just talking about the spirit? You know, and all these things are going through my mind and the spirit's like, do you believe him? And I was like, well, the same spirit that I've felt my whole life, that I've made every decision I've ever made, every positive decision I've ever made by, is telling me that it's true. Like, yeah, I believe him. And he's like, well, the, the spirit's like, well, then get Go get it. Do it. Go try it. I was like, well, I'll try it. <laughs> like I, like we talked about in the first podcast, Tyson and I are those two guys that are just dumb enough to actually believe 
that he means what he says. And we're like, well, we'll try it. <laughs> and it hasn't been without falling on our face. But oh. like I said, the Lord's there. He's like, almost, or that was awesome, right? He's not right. like, you idiot, you fell down again. No, he's like, that was rad. <laughs> you you could have done better, and you're going to. Just get up and do it again. Yep. We, we joke all the time, like, we get on these podcasts and we tell you guys stuff. And then the Lord's like, okay, now go do it. And we crash and burn and fall on our face. We're like, ouch, that hurt. But I learned this. <laughs> I'm going to try again. And we both look at each other like, you're going to do that again? Like, I'm going to try again. Here we go. <laughs> but it, that's that's the whole point of all of this, right? We have to be willing to actually believe what our prophet's telling us. And be willing to take that step into the darkness that I talked about in a couple of those stories. Those experiences for me would never have happened had I not been willing to be like, I have no clue what I'm doing right now, but I feel like I'm supposed to do it. So here I go, Lord, catch me (laughs) because I'm jumping. (laughs) And that's, you know, taking that opportunity to step out into the darkness and, and be vulnerable. You know, not knowing what the outcome is going to be, but trusting that that what we're being taught and told is true and real. And every time we try a little bit, we we take that grace and we extend it and then we get more grace and we go from a level of grace to a new level of grace until eventually the Lord does what Tyson said and takes you and uses you as a weapon of light to go out and bring those things of darkness into the light. It's so awesome to be like, there's a principle that Tyson and I are studying right now that there's some people in the ward that are struggling with a principle. And the Lord starts to reveal this principle and the information to us. And I tell Tyson last night, I'm like, man, like the Lord's standing there like, did you hear that? I'm like, almost got it, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, can you say it again? <laughs> a little slower. Like, I, I'm hearing it, but I, he's like, it's right there. Do you see it? I'm like, oh, it's so close. And my brain starts to hurt. I'm like, uh, I'm not quite there yet, but I want to know what it is. It's like buffering on the internet, right? Like the <laughs> wheel spinning. Like it's, it's almost there. It's coming. <laughs> very, very awesome. Okay, so let's get into the nuts and bolts of this really quick in this last 10 minutes that we have. Okay, so how do we qualify for these gifts? Um, President Nelson's talk in, shoot, I can't remember which conference it is. I know that in the gospel app, it's the one with the white (laughs) cover with a girl standing on it. I think it's uh, April 2016. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so that talk, we'll reference it again a little bit later so you can go back and read it, but the, President Nelson goes through what what's required to qualify yourself for these gifts, and it's like it would be stupid for us to try and improve upon what he said. So we're just going to read them one by one and go through them. This is, if you want to, to wield God's power in his kingdom, this is what you got to do. Okay, so first thing he says, What is the price to develop such priesthood power? The Savior Senior Apostle, Peter, declared qualities that we we should seek to be partakers of 
the divine nature. Ooh, the divine nature. That's next podcast. I like it. That one's very cool. Okay, so he named faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity, and diligence. And don't forget humility. So I ask, how would our family members, friends, and coworkers say that you and I are doing in developing these and other spiritual gifts? The more those attributes are developed, the greater will be our priesthood power. So the first step is to do an inventory, right? Go through those attributes that he just listed and do a self-check. If someone else is looking at you in your what you're doing at school or what you're doing at work, and they were to grade you on each one of those things, where would you sit? So that's your first task. All right. And don't condemn yourself. Condemn yourself in that process, by the way. Don't condemn yourself in, in that. It's just be to be used as a rubric to figure out where you're at. All right. So the next thing he says is, how else can we increase our power in the priesthood? We need to pray from our hearts. Polite recitations of past and upcoming events punctuated by some requests for blessings cannot constitute the kind of communing with God that brings enduring power. Are you willing to pray to know how to pray for more power? The Lord will teach you. Dude, I remember when he said that, I was like, wait a sec. Rewind. (laughs) What did he just say? Are you willing to pray to know how to pray for more power? The Lord will teach you. Brothers and sisters, I'm testifying to you that he will teach you how to pray for more power if you ask for it. And it will blow your mind. My prayers are 100% different than they used to be because of what the Lord taught me. And I feel like that's something that you have to be taught by the Lord. He has to teach it to you. But there's a whole new level of prayer available that unlocks the mysteries of, of heaven. Yeah, President Uchtdorf talked about <coughs> uh, prayers end up sometimes being us rehearsing the greatest hits of our righteousness, right? <laughs> like, oh, thank you, I was able to do this today, right? But that's not what President Nelson's talking about here, right? Like, and that's what was President Uchtdorf's, you know, purpose of saying that was there's a whole nother level. And it doesn't have to be a 20-minute prayer in the morning at night. Like, I'm not going to go into detail about my own prayers. It's just probably a place where that's so sacred we're not going to talk about it. I don't see us ever having a podcast about that, maybe in a one-on-one conversation. But um, but uh, it's all the time. So, anyway. Absolutely. I made a pact with myself that I was going to stop saying absolutely after every time we switched, but I keep saying it. Sorry. Dude. <laughs> perfect that's what i say that's my word all right so the next one are you willing to search the scriptures and feast on the words of christ to study earnestly in order to have more power that's that knowledge principle that you talked about earlier are you willing to worship in the temple regularly not just go to the temple but worship in the temple the lord loves to do his own teaching in his holy house Imagine how pleased he would be if you asked him to teach you about priesthood keys, authority, and the power and power as you experience the ordinances of the Melchizedek priesthood in the Holy Temple. Imagine the increase in priesthood power that could be yours. Uh, one of the cool opportunities of being an ordinance worker in the temple is you get to hear a lot of cool stories about things that happen in the temple. And every member of the temple presidency has now told us 
um, that the Savior visits the temples regularly. Our temple in Spokane, your temple, wherever you are listening to this, the Savior goes there regularly. And he teaches us that first principle, be taught by the Lord himself. Guess where he does it? It's in the temple. I go to the temple regularly. Um, He's waiting there to teach us. Okay, the next one. Are you willing to follow President Monson's example of serving others? And we talked about that extensively in the last podcast. Grace for grace. That's what that principle is. And if you truly want more priesthood power, you will cherish and care for your wife, embracing both her and her counsel. And I would probably flip that around and say, sisters, you would cherish your husband and embrace his counsel. Yeah. Since you brought that up, this is obviously a this is a talk that was given to the priesthood brethren. And so he mentions the word power in the priesthood over and over again. For you sisters it's it's power in your faith. Your your faith our faith is the same power that makes the priesthood operate. <laughs> that is the exact same power that you wield in faith is what we wield in priesthood. The only difference is the priesthood is the organizational governing body of the the church. It's an organizational piece. But the power in the priesthood is faith. And and sisters also, your endowment is priesthood power. And so, and if you haven't gotten there right, you don't have your endowment yet, it doesn't matter, brother or sister, do the things you need to do to get there. One of the things you can do to get into the temple is get worthy to get a limited use recommend and go do baptisms get the spirit of the temple rooted in you and you'll be on your way yep okay so then he says now if all of this sounds excessive please consider how different our relationships with our wife children and associates at work would be if we were as concerned about gaining power in the priesthood as we are in progressing at work or increasing the balance in our bank account If we will humbly present ourselves before the Lord and ask him to teach us, he will show us how to increase our access to his power. The Lord wants so badly to give us the tools, the weapons of light that we need in order to stand against the darkness that's gathering around us. But we have to make the decision that we want it. He said, in these latter days, we know that there will be earthquakes in diverse places. Perhaps one of the mo- those diverse places will be in our own homes, where emotional, financial, or spiritual earthquakes may occur. Priesthood power can calm the seas and heal fractures in the earth. Priesthood power can also calm the minds and fracture and heal fractures in the hearts of those we love. Are we willing to pray, fast, study, seek, worship, and serve as men of God and as women of God so that we can have that kind of priesthood power. Uh, (coughs) This talk is actually from April 2016. I'll just throw that in there. So it's the priesthood session, April 2016. Um, The closing comment is, is, my dear brethren, we have been given such a sacred trust the authority of god to bless others may each of us rise up as the man of god ordained as the man 
God foreordained us to be, ready to bear the priesthood of God bravely, eagerly to pay whatever price is required to increase his power in the priesthood. With that power, we can prepare the world for the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Like That's the purpose. That's why he's challenging us through his prophet, why the Lord is challenging us through his prophet, is to prepare the earth for the second coming. Like I don't think that that is clicking into the brains of most people, that even if they're reading or listening to conference talks, right? And I'll be completely honest, it didn't click into my brain, even with as much force as it's clicking into my brain right now. Like, that's what we're doing. These podcasts are not about Greg and I. These podcasts are intended, right, to download some simple truths that we've learned through application and then hopefully help lead somebody else to do their part in this great symphony as we prepare the earth for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He just spoke to the saints at Safeco Field in Seattle last week and said again, this is the winding up scene. Not, these are the last days. Not that this is the 11th hour that we heard years in years past. This is the winding up scene. We are preparing the earth for the second coming of the Savior. The only way we can prepare the earth is to get together as his saints and become a Zion people to become one heart and one mind. That's how we prepare the earth for the second coming of the Savior is to prepare people ready to receive him. Because if we're not ready to receive him, guess what? He's going to wreck some things and humble some people <laughs> and get us ready to receive him. It's that whole principle of you can be humble or you can be compelled to be humble. And he's, he's begging us to take these weapons of light and go out and administer grace. This is what President Nelson said at that at that event in Safeco. He said, I plead with you. So this is uh, this whole thing is two days old. This is what your prophet is telling you. I plead with you to not let the temptations of the world, including time-consuming allurements of your occupation, to distract you from the real reason you are here on the earth. Will you use your agency to choose Jesus Christ and his gospel. The honors of men, as exhilarating as they are, seem to fade over time, oh, excuse me, fade into oblivion, compared with what the Lord has in store for his covenant-keeping children. When it comes to what the Lord has waiting for us, we have to get to a point where it consumes us you know just like like you just said in that quote so many people are consumed by what they look like um, what they have in their bank account what what's in their house what kind of furniture they have all of these things these temporal focus things that just bog us down we have to get to a point where I love this quote this is again President Nelson he said when you reach up for the Lord's power in your life with the same intensity that a drowning person has when gasping for a, for a gasp of air, power from Jesus Christ will be yours. When the Savior knows you truly want to reach up to him, when he can feel that the greatest desire of your heart is to be drawn, is to draw his power into your life, you will be led by the Holy Ghost to know exactly what you should do.
when you spiritually stretch beyond anything you have ever done before, then his power will flow into you. That's powerful, what he's saying. I'm just going to leave with that quote. There's really not much you can add to that, right? When you're ready to really receive it and do the things that he's going to tell you to do through the Spirit, it comes in waves and flows through you into other people. However, again, another quote from President Nelson, there is nothing easy or automatic about becoming such powerful disciples. Our focus must be riveted on the Savior and his gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. Each one of you has been blessed with a, with a gift, with a weapon of light. Something that you're good at. Something that you know was given to you by the Lord. For me, it's, it's, to, it's to teach. That was my gift. And I sat on that gift for a long time until the Lord poked me like 58,000 times and I finally started to, to do what I know I was sent here to do. If you will look unto the Savior in every thought riveted upon him, the doubts and fears that are stopping you from being who you know you really are are gone. The Savior will, will remove them and give you the power you need to step out and do what you were sent to the earth to do. What's your personal mission? If you still don't know what it is, please get on your knees and ask the Lord who would want you to do. But be willing to accept the answer. Be ready. And don't, <coughs> I can hear through the Spirit, some people's minds who are wrestling with the wrong voice. Right? If you're going to wrestle with a voice, make sure you're wrestling with the voice of God. Right? But some of you are wrestling with the voice of the adversary who's telling you, you have all these sins in your past. You have all these things that are holding you back. You're never going to be able to embrace that mission. And that's what he wants to happen. But let me quote Elder Holland again. Right? We've talked about this. Elder Holland poking the adversary in the chest, in the eye, in general conference said, Satan is a miserable man bound by eternal limitations and he wants you to be miserable too. Well, don't fall for that. Brothers and sisters, don't fall for it. If he's saying that to you right now, ignore him, write him off and turn to the Lord and ask him, like Greg has talked about, what's my mission? And he may not give all of it to you. He may say, here's your momentary mission. Go, go take a meal to sister so-and-so or call text message so-and-so and tell him you love him or whatever he's going to tell you to do. But he'll fill you with his love and his grace and then he'll give you a job and go do it and keep doing that over and over. And when you fall short, fall on your face, get up, dust yourself off and do it again. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Gospel's true, brothers and sisters. It's all real. It's real. I bear witness of that. I bear witness that Russell Nelson is a prophet of God and he is laying it down right now he is begging us to step into who we are 
reminding us over and over again that we were supposed to be on the planet right now for a specific reason and purpose. God loves you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to use you as a weapon of light to bless somebody else's life and thereby bless yourself again. <laughs> and just this reciprocating grace for grace that we've talked about. Okay, so I bear that testimony in Jesus Christ's name, by the way. <laughs> Amen. Um, so next podcast that we're going to be talking about um, is called Levels of Understanding. So the gospel is layered many layers deep and we're going to talk about how to unravel those layers and go from level to level leveling up 39 and a half years of my life i've been stuck in level one actually like 0.75 right it's time to level up folks my uh my oldest boy likes to give tyson and i crap he's always like oh you guys are gonna go study your level seven ninja warrior stuff (laughs) (laughs) yes we do we study the levels and try to understand them because that, those are the mysteries that President Nelson is asking us to go seek after. And we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. It should be pretty awesome. Yeah, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Please share these podcasts with other people. Make sure they know there's more than one. Um, some people don't realize that there's it's an ongoing podcast series. So make sure you let them know that there's more coming. Um, Again, all glory be to him whose truth they are. We're just messengers. And God be with you till we meet again.